0: Jamal and Kim's Inner Circle Health Tribe, episode 15.
1: Women in labor do not need to be saved. They need to be loved.
2: It's time to reverse the imbalances in your life as you take the first step on your own journey towards personal change. Welcome to Jamal and Kim's Inner Circle Health Tribe, educating, empowering, and inspiring individuals to live healthier. Now here are your hosts and your guides to natural living, Jamal and Kim.
0: Kim and Jamal here and welcome to another episode of Jamal and Kim's Inner Circle Health Tribe podcast. Today, we have another great interview with, for you today. Today, we are joined by Maha el Musa. Maha, are you there?
1: Yes, I'm here. Hi. How are <laughs> you doing?
0: Greetings, Maha. Um, before, um, well, first I want to say thank you for sa- taking the time to uh, talk with us today and we're looking forward to sharing some amazing information with our community.
1: Thank you. Lovely to be here. Great pleasure.
2: Yeah, yeah, de- definitely excited about it, and uh, you know this is this is another international guest that we have. She is all the way in Australia. Yes. Um, what what part of Australia are you
1: in? I'm in a beautiful paradise called Byron Bay, right on the east coast, the most easterly point of Australia. Oh, nice. nice. Beautiful. Yeah, very and, natural place.
2: <laughs> and, you know, I didn't realize the, the it was such a time di- um, difference. I, right. I did not realize it because when, you know, we record our shows on Mondays and Wednesdays. So when, you know, you said Monday and we, we locked in a time, but then I looked and realized that for you, it's Monday morning at 10 a.m., right? And, yes. and for us, it's Sunday evening at 6 p.m. And, uh, wow. I, I think that's amazing.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> that we're,
2: that we're, we're on two different days. We're in the evening, you're in the morning, and we're having this, uh, this interview. That, that's, that is amazing. That's the me.
0: power of technology. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's
0: just amazing <laughs> so um before we begin, uh what I wanted to do was just uh tell people all of our listeners a little bit about you before we begin, okay so um Maha el Musa is a mother of three gorgeous children, two sons and a daughter she's a writer, human rights activist dancer, doula, and lover of all things connected to the divine feminine. She is of Palestinian, Muslim, and Lebanese Christian background and was born in Kuwait and migrated to Australia in the early 60s. In 1996, while pregnant with her first son, Kailash, she reconnected to her cultural roots through belly dance. When her son was six months old, Maha began facilitating belly dance birth classes in Byron Bay, Australia, after being introduced to the dance by a local midwife, Annie. The classes were extremely popular with pregnant women, and Maha developed a keen report with many of her students, and midwives she began working as a doula with local home birth midwives and encouraged women to embrace their pregnancy journey with strength, empowerment, and courage. She realized that many modern women were estranged from not only their physical but also their emotional and spiritual body in this most powerful feminine cycle. Through her classes, Maha presents belly dance birth as a means for women to explore their most primal movements, drawing on her cultural heritage for its wisdom, healing, and ancient knowledge. She weaves together the old world with the new world through the belly dance, creating a joyful and uplifting experience for all mothers-to-be.
2: That's great. And and we really have a, a passion. I know that you're a breastfeeding advocate and into just this birthing process and we're we're advocates of it as well and um like we were talking about a little bit before we started the show uh you know Kim she had a, a natural birth at home it was amazing and uh we really um just try to embrace the the natural way and the way that a woman's body is supposed to you know the process that is supposed to go through and not uh, uh, what we've been taught, especially here in the U.S. But before we jump into um, into that particular topic, one of the things that we do with um, our show is we really want to motivate and inspire our listeners um, through people's stories. You know, and a lot of people here in the U.S. don't know about you yet. Um, this right. is their first time learning. So who who is Maha? Al Musa. Can you tell us your story? Like what's your journey and uh, what what led you to the point of really helping women uh, with the, the birthing process and the techniques that you incorporate?
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, I guess it started off when I was a baby. When I look back and I, I see the journey began when I was born to my mom and my father in the, in uh, Lebanon, in Kuwait, And I was actually taken from my mother as a six-month-old baby by my father. Wow. And they separated. And at the time, you know, my dad took me and my brother. And this separation, I didn't realise until now in reflection when I look back, I realised that this is what planted the seed for me to do the work and, and advocate for the mother-baby connection because I am a product of a baby that was taken from their mother at such a young age. Mm. So, it's only through my work now and getting to where I am in life now that I realize that's where this was seeded for me because we know that the imprints of a baby in utero and that first two years of life is so significant and stays with us and you know, right into adulthood and in reflection we can see that these imprints of these experiences can make us who we are, which is what has happened for myself. And so I was brought to Australia by my father when I was two and I actually found my mum when I was 33 in Lebanon. Yeah, a bit of a story that comes with that and it's all in my book, Dads of the Womb. I tell the story of reconnecting my mother as well as my cultural roots. So for that period of time, I didn't have the mother. And also I had a lot of issues with fertility. I was unable to get pregnant. And I knew deeper because I'm, I, I'm very much someone who self a, a self-inquires life and a story, always seeking the truth, always looking for what's real, what is the meaning of life. This is the sort of person that Mahal Musa is. And I realised that that disconnection from my mother played role in my infertility, I knew there was something missing. It wasn't just physical. And funnily enough, after meeting my mum, I was pregnant six months later. And I'd been trying to be pregnant, yeah, for five years. And this opened the doorway to me into realising the depths of life, the depths of the impact of the soul journey of one's spiritual awakening, that it is just more than what we are shown, especially as women, as women... I find that when we try to express these aspects of self, often women get shut down or we feel that our expression needs to be justified or defended. Often a feminine voice is lacking in the world in these depths of life and rites of passage. And that's where that exploration began even deeper when I got pregnant with my son Kailash for the first time because of the impact the imprint of being taken from my mother had on me. So being a very heart person, being a very spiritually attuned and aligned person, those aspects of the self that I was exploring opened up a depth within me once I was pregnant with him. I wanted to go deeply into the birthing journey as an extension of my whole life experience because I knew there was more. It wasn't a medical um emergency birth. Birth mm-hmm. I say is a spiritual emergence. Yes. And that was yeah. the path I was on. Yeah.
2: Wow. That okay. that is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um that's an amazing yeah. story. And you know, you you brought up a a lot of powerful things there. Just that that mother baby connection. Um, you know, a lot of people they really don't believe me when I tell them this. The only person that actually really believes me is my mother, but I actually have a um, memory of being in the womb. Like I remember um being there and I remember the the connection that we have and had then in certain things that were going on. Like I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um and and you talk about the power of this connection, it goes a lot deeper than um what people really Um, No, and this is going to be an an incredible show because we have so many clients. We have a holistic center um, in New Jersey, and we have a lot of clients that come to us, um, a lot of women that are having challenges and difficulties um, conceiving and and getting pregnant for so many reasons. And, you know, medically, it's just pretty much a cookie-cutter type of approach and sometimes it's it's deeper than than just you know um fertility it could be blockages, like with you it was definitely some blockages that was going on there that that needed to to you know you needed to have a breakthrough for so it's so many different emotional energetic, and spiritual reasons why um you know women can't conceive so this is gonna That's be this is gonna be an amazing show uh for them um I know in the u s there's a certain perception when it comes to to the birthing process, like how, how is it in um, Australia? What is the mainstream kind of view of, of you know, birth and, and things of that nature?
1: Well, you know, like everywhere in the world, things are changing rapidly in, mm-hmm. in regards to birth. And what's happening is that the mother and baby don't seem to be at the center anymore of the experience. Right. It seems like all the experts on the outside are the the ones who are having the baby, so to speak. So what's happening is that, you know, disempowerment of the mother leads to her handing her power away. The power sits with the mother and her baby. And I have a little saying that I say, how about this for an idea, that the mother and the baby are the experts. And if she requires help, she requires guidance, she requires assistance, she will ask for that. How about this for an idea that we as birth professionals, as those people who support and stand by the mother, actually are guided by her light of wisdom. Perhaps she could shine a light on our spiritual journey through birthing. Now, this year in um, San Francisco, I came and I did a talk at the Birth Keepers Summit and I'm just tracking back a little bit to what we were talking about this, you know, the energetic, the emotional, spiritual body in regards to fertility.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What I spoke about is that the body in birth has an opportunity to liberate psychological and muscular armoring that's held in the muscles and cells of the body. Mm-hmm. What I mean by this is in birth, we have an opportunity to heal the wounds and the holdings and the constrictions and the trauma that we carry as women, which could be generational, through the ball of birth. Wow. So rather than being traumatised by birth and the experience of birth in a system or at home as well, anywhere, rather than an idea of being traumatised by the other from the outside, if we were to actually revere and respect birth as a rite of passage, Mm -hmm. as a portal to the divine, as a portal to the spiritual awakening that women have an opportunity for, then she has a chance to release that trauma, the holdings, the constrictions within her body. And that is the way we can raise love consciousness on the planet. Can you imagine if every woman giving birth had the opportunity or the knowledge to know the possibility of healing that there is in birthing and that she birthed from this place and was supported from that place, knowing that rather than being constricted and refined, that this was a place of awakening and expanding and opening into her personal journey with her baby and elevating that sense of connection to everything, that we are one, connection to source, through birth. And when we have experiences as I did, having a completely natural birth, as Kimberly has spoken of as well, something happens within the psyche, the makeup, the whole energetic, physical, emotional, spiritual body of a woman. There's a layers, the layers of of holding unravel and suddenly we start to access the pureness of who we are as the feminine in the world. Mm -hmm. And that purity is what we should be putting out into the world, that love, pureness, because that is what's going to heal this planet, this planet that has gone crazy on war and uh, severance and disconnection. Yet if every woman every day knew that she had a possibility to give birth with this kind of understanding... I truly believe this world would be one of love and peace. There is no way that it could not be, and that's my passion in what I, the work that I do. Wow,
0: that's that's amazing. Yeah, you you touched yeah. on some very uh, powerful points. You know, the first thing that sticks stands out to me is when you talk about birth not being a medical emergency and putting the mother and baby in the center instead of the yes. experts and the doctors telling her what she should be doing with her body. You know, so many yes. women feel that they don't have a voice in
1: that matter. That's right. You know, and... Um, That's
0: what this is
1: about, Kimberly, giving the voice to the feminine. Does anyone ever ask a birthing woman, what do you need? How can I serve you? Mm. How can I care and look after you? Right. Rather right. than what I'm going to do to you. Has anyone ever asked it? what do you need? Right. And mm. I have another saying... I have another saying. I say women in labour do not need to be saved. They need to be loved. And when you treat a woman with loving kindness, her body will open. It Mm. will naturally open. Like sexuality, birth and sex are connected. Mm. When we touch and treat a woman with loving kindness, she will relax. She will be able to just receive the experience through her body Mm -hmm. and open to that with her baby, and together they will dance the dance of birth. Mm.
2: Wow. Yeah, what you're saying is so profound and amazing. It actually gave me chills um, because – uh, just just the whole shift in, in consciousness of yes. it being healing right. is is it, it, yes. it just takes things to a whole nother level, because yes. most of the, the women that that we see and deal with when the first thing that they think about when it comes to pregnancy is the pain right. and they think yes. about the fear. And it's yes. they're apprehensive about the the uh, the process even before they even get you know get pregnant. It's it's just so negative, and then what they show on TV with the women you know just kind of yelling and get being rushed into the emergency room. It just creates this um this false illusion of what what birth really is, and it just creates this kind of this this fear, right? You know and. <laughs> And now I really I really get it. I understand. Like when we were sp- speaking um, through uh, Facebook and you were saying that, you know, this is a, you know, a rites of passage uh, for, for women. I really can see how it could be a rites of passage for women. Can you can you talk about that a little bit like this rites of, of passage process?
1: Well, you know, starting from menstruation. Menstruation should be a rite of passage, Mm -hmm. as is stepping into motherhood, as is going into uh, menopause. Mm -hmm. You know, we have as women these portals that open along the journey that we walk in life. And unfortunately what happens in society is there's this idea that we all stay around that sort of age 21 to 25 when Mm -hmm. we were at our peak as young women And we're all trying to get squeezed into that look or that age group. And Mm -hmm. we don't get respected for the journey or the steps that we take into the depths of who we are as women. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, for me, the rite of passage of birth is the elevation of the language of the feminine, the voice of the feminine to be seen and heard in her entirety, in her wholeness, without having to defend herself, without having to justify herself. And what is happening, as you were saying, Jamal, with the fear factor in birth, immediately that creates a disconnect within the body with the baby Mm. and that severance and fear sets up the constriction. So rather than being expansive and open, the woman is already, before she's even had the baby, in a tight, fearful, traumatic space. You cannot give birth through the portal of fear in that regard. The other thing that I say that's very significant is that how can you take a feminine rite of passage as is birth that requires patience, wisdom, timelessness, intuition, instinct, and place that in a masculine paradigm, which is a system, which is hierarchical, Mm. which is power over with someone sitting at the top over others and place that. Feminine rite of passage experience into that kind of a structure that is essentially about impatience, there are time restraints, there are power control issues, and then expect her to open. To me, that is the basic, basic notion of birth, that a woman needs to be in a place that she feels safe, loved, cared for secure not saying that some women don't feel safe in a hospital environment and some people may not feel safe at home some people may feel safe in a field with nobody around them giving birth it is up to where the woman feels the safest you cannot dictate to each individual woman what is safe for you is safe for me Where I feel secure may not be where you feel secure. When we put 95% of women into a system to give birth and we don't consider these individual needs and the journey and her own story and the baby's experience Mm. that is also being had, then we're looking in a very limited view of birth. And what I'm trying to say is that birth is an expansive, open, highly spiritual experience so why don't we look at it from that lens the possibility of what else is possible here and give that to women rather than just we it into a small format and saying, right, everybody, you have to be through this one dimensional view. And that's how everybody has to give birth. No wonder women are in fear because we're all different. Right. We're all on different journeys. Right. And we require different things. And having a baby is one of the highest spiritual perspectives you get on life, giving birth. Absolutely. So therefore, we need to consider that. We need to consider each individual woman.
2: Yeah. And that, and that's very uh, difficult to do in in the system uh, or the mainstream yes. system, the way that, that it, it's set up. Um, and, that's right. And I know that there's a lot of, uh, we, we speak to a lot of women that don't even realize that they have options. Right. They, they have choices. Yeah, they don't even know that they have choices. They just think that it's this one um, set thing that they have to, yes. to do a certain way. So this for, I know a lot of women, this is just opening up. A whole new um, idea of, you know, that they have more power than they they think that they do. Um, What, like, so what is, what do you think, or what is the the impact uh, because of the fact that um, women have to go through uh, this this type of system? Like, what type of impact do you see, one on the the mother and on, on the child?
1: Well, the impact is there's a, there's a severance. See, what, what we have as, as mothers, as women, is we have instinct. We have intuition. We know our babies. We grew that baby and we birthed the baby. But when we go through an experience where we feel we were not managing that experience or we were controlled by someone else or we didn't have a say What happens is we lose that connection to that instinct and that intuition, which is our heart-based knowing. It is how the feminine operates. Regardless of everything, take everything away and what the feminine will do in relation to her baby is become the tiger, the instincts come out, the heart knowing elevates and expands. But if we have an experience that has taken that away or somehow severed that, what happens is we start to question What am I doing? Am I right? Am I wrong? What's going on here? So that disconnects us from our baby and we no longer trust. We no longer trust our judgments. We no longer trust that heart knowing. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, that's when the experts can step in. Mm -hmm. And that's when they can say, right, if you give me your money, I will fix that for you. Mm, So therefore it becomes a vested interest our experience placed on the mother instead of the natural knowing that she has. Mm. And I've experienced that just through the breastfeeding, you know, which we'll talk about. Yeah. But when we separate the mother and baby, those instincts, those knowing and understandings that we have with our baby, that's when we don't really know what we're doing anymore or we question what we're doing. And that's when we have to sort of reach out and ask for help. And then that confusion comes in. Right. Yeah. And so that purity of the experience or the possibility of the experience being a very spiritual and connected experience suddenly becomes a traumatic one. And in trauma, as we know, the nervous system, the fear, flight, freeze kicks in. And suddenly we really don't know what we're doing. We feel disconnected from our baby. And that's what's happening more and more and more. And that's what I'm trying to teach about, to say leave mother and baby to trust in the process of birth because birth will trust in them.
2: Right. And that that's I really appreciate um the work that you're doing and, and what you're trying to do because it's just so much miseducation out there. And like mm-hmm. I, I remember for me for me and Kim when um we, you know, told everyone that we were having a, a home birth all natural, like our family and friends were scared to death. I well, mean, at least they just
0: told you to <laughs> tell <get home. laughs> I
2: mean, they were scared to death, you know, like they <laughs> did not want us to, to do this. You know, it was so many people that tried to talk us out of it, or at least me, they didn't want to stress Kim out, but they pulled me aside. They wanted to talk us out of it. They thought that it was something that I was doing to her. You know, I was, I, I put her up to this, you know, and, uh, Everyone, they just didn't trust, like you said, they did, just didn't trust the wisdom of, of her own body and, and baby and what and what they wanted about being comfortable. So right. it, it's kind of like a re a reconditioning that um that people right. that people need. So so with the work that you're doing, like what is like what's the process that that you take women through? You know, um, when you first connect with them, um, you know, what's what's your process?
1: Well basically I've been teaching belly dance for birth classes since 1997 and that's evolved over the years to mindful movement to awaken birth wisdom. So the process that I take women through is their own self-inquiry into their own journey. So rather than being there as a you know a guru and saying I know everything and you know nothing that's not my, my take. My take is that I take the key and I open the doorway into themselves mm. with their baby, into their own body, wisdom and knowing. And so when we dance the dance movements of the belly dance or these mindful movements, we awaken the womb wisdom so we can then access this wisdom as women. So these movements are self-referenced. They're coming from the woman herself. So I might show the basic movements and we do a lot of improvisation. We do a lot of processes that take a woman deeper into the connection with her baby and to the mystical codes of the feminine that mm-hmm. reside within the womb and her body. So it's a very, um, a very sacred space that I create for women to be expressive to feel every emotion, to just be in her body and awakened by the wisdom that lies within her. And so it's a beautiful preparation for birth because birth you cannot choreograph. Every birth is different. There are no steps as such. So these classes that I teach are very open, very improvisational, very spontaneous and very much about the mother and baby at the centre to sit from the nectar of wisdoms within her. Mm-hmm. Then we share that energetically within the group. We dance in a safe, sacred space with beautiful music. And women, even after one class with me, they walk out incredibly enlightened and inspired and say, I don't need anything else because they've connected to themselves deeply and that is what is required to give birth. Yeah. I have a saying in my classes, the baby doesn't come out of your head. The baby <laughs> comes out of your vagina, your yoni. Get down to earth, get down into your womb, into your pelvis, connect with your baby, because that's where the baby's coming out. Know everything and then throw it all away and trust in birth Mm -hmm. and i say as well that everything is within you everything you need is within you and if you need assistance or guidance trust in yourself to ask for that but know as the beginning point that you have everything that you need within you to give birth your body wisdom knows how to give birth Mm -hmm. and that in itself when women hear that from a woman who's walked that path, there is something that just drops, just drops into that knowing. And this is what we've also lost, Jamal, when you were talking before. Mm-hmm. This sisterly connection of women who've walked this path strongly, with confidence, yeah, with assurance, with knowing. Regardless mm-hmm. of what happens in the experience, mm-hmm. to actually be told by another sister, You can do this. I believe in you. I am with you. I am with you. Draw on my strength. I tell the women in my class, I've had three natural births, the last one at 46. Draw on my strength in your birth. Mm. Yeah, I am there with you, as is every other woman who's come before you. And this is what we have to get back to, the sacred sister circle of birth. So women entrust in themselves with their babies that they have what it takes. And this is what the birthing professionals and the system needs to understand that the mother and baby are the queen. And, and the, the, you know, with her child, they are the center point here. Right. And to draw on the strength of other women too.
0: Yeah. That was a great point. When you mentioned about the support of the other women, because I can remember when I was pregnant with my daughter, you know, it was my, it's my first time. Of course I was nervous. And, I knew I was having the home birth, um, but I remember speaking on, on the phone with my midwife for like an hour. And she was like, you can do this. You were built to do this. And she just mm. gave me that reassurance. And then I remember that night, I just said, I'm ready. And then I went mm. into labor the next day. It was so just that that talk of saying, like, you can do it. You, you're built for this. Like, you can do it. Um, and just to That's- let go and submit to it. And like you said, open, right. and open up and like, you know, I had to go within um, during my pregnancy. So it was just an amazing experience. Like that's what I tell everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's
1: right. That is the sacred medicine. That's the medicine of the feminine. Mm-hmm. That is what we require. And that's what we are losing right. quite rapidly in this modern day now. And that's what I'm trying to keep the fires alive of the feminine wisdom passing on that nectar of knowing and reassurance, connection to one another, and simplifying everything. Everything has become very complicated in birth. Mm. And I have another saying that is the living book is within. Mm. Read. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Powerful, yeah, yeah.
2: Maha, one thing that one thing that you said. Um, I just want to make sure that I heard you correctly. You said that your last um at, for your last natural birth you were forty six.
1: That's right. Yes, and the home water birth. It,
2: 46. I'm I'm so so happy to hear that because um here in 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 the um states women when they get in their 30s they are terrified if they haven't had a child yet. You know, they're terrified that they're running out of time. You know, we get women in their mid 30s and they're terrified thinking that, you know, this is it and they have this you know this desperation like I, I gotta get this now, I gotta do this now and they and feel the like they're up against yeah, the clock is ticking and they're against this clock, like by the time they get, you know, thirty seven, thirty-eight that it's over, they you know, they can't do it anymore. What what would you say in in regards to that?
1: What I would say is that be careful of the language that we speak with women as well. If, you know, you can't look out, it won't happen, you're too old. All of this negativity is what creates the constriction in the body. So how will the body open to receive the sperm to get pregnant when we are holding so tightly, thinking that there's something wrong with us? And this is the origin of fear. The fear starts here. And this is how it escalates and multiplies and snowballs into the experience of birth. And so, therefore, the language that we speak is very, very, very important. And we need to ask ourselves, why are women given this kind of prognosis and this kind of language? To me, it's always there's a vested interest attached to it. Yeah. Now, it's interesting because when I was six weeks pregnant with my daughter at 46, or I was actually 45 and a half, I had her at 46, but when I was pregnant with her, I was actually in a magazine in Australia, a newspaper, and it was very funny because... It was about IVF. There was a story of IVF on one side of the newspaper page and on the other side was me and my birth dance and and what Mm. I do, you Mm. know, dance birth. And there was a quote by a doctor on the, you know, the other article that said, by the time a woman reaches 40, her eggs are rotten.
2: Mm. Wow. Wow.
1: That's the quote. And there was a picture of me dancing with my pregnant friend I was six weeks pregnant, although I hadn't disclosed that in the article.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I was so shocked to hear the language that he used that women's eggs are rotten. I thought to myself, where is this sort of language coming from? And why are these being printed? And women are being imprinted with this. How can they trust in their body when they're in this kind of fear? Right. And this is why i I'm retaliating against and saying, be careful, be mindful about the language you use. This is not the language of the feminine. This is not how women speak to one another and share with one another. This is, this is not right. This is what creates that severance and disconnection. Yeah. So I say to women, trust in yourself self-inquire, look at where do you need to do any spiritual work on yourself? Where do you have blockages? Where do you have any wounding? Is there trauma from childhood? Why are you listening to this kind of advice? anyway? what's happening? Where are you not trusting in yourself? So we go down that path of self-inquiry to release all of those things that are holding us back from the experiences that we want to have in life. Mm -hmm. It's not rocket science. It's coming back to to care, to love, to compassion, to connection, and really respecting and revering women. Mm. That's really what this is about, and her experience in the world.
2: Mm. Yeah. Now, um, as far as the, the, uh, the belly dancing, your, your belly dance technique, like pregnant women are doing this, they're belly dancing during pregnancy,
1: Okay, now I've, I used the I used the word belly dance. Mm-hmm. It's not cabaret style belly dance that you see in a restaurant right. or, you know, doing all the tricks of the trade. It's not that <laughs> aspect of belly dance. Right. A lot of people think belly dance or the, the Middle Eastern dance, you know, goes back a long way. This kind of earth dance. Is really what it is. It's Mm -hmm. the dance of the feminine, the dance of the womb, the dance of the earth. Mm. And so the movements of the belly dance, as I teach in my professional training, the feminine movements of the dance, the circular movements, the figure eight movements, the spiraling movements, are movements of nature. And the spiraling movement is actually the movement of labor. And all of these feminine movements are the intuitive movements of birth. So when a woman comes into birth, in the active phase of the first stage of labor, when the cervix is thinning and dilating, when we need to be upright, using gravity, getting that baby into a good position, we need to move into the rhythms of birth, okay? So as the uterus contracts, the body needs to expand, I don't use the word contractions. We use the word expansions in my work. Yeah. So the uterus is contracting, but the body needs to open and expand. So you can receive the rhythm of birth and move into it and through it. And so this idea that women have fear of the pain of birth. Now, I use the word pain, painful sensations, rhythms of birth. But what I teach is how to move into that sensation without resistance, without fear, moving the pelvis in spiralling motion, circular motion, figure eight. What you're doing then is you're moving with the pain or the sensation or the rhythm and allowing that whole, the energy of the rhythm to move through your body and to dissipate and to just let it go with the breath and its sound. So you move through the contractions of the uterus and breathe and make sounds. And what that also does is it brings the baby's head or the bag of waters down onto the cervix because there's receptors on the cervix that enable the cervix to dilate and to open as well as to release oxytocin. So when the mother's in a relaxed state, moving with the rhythms of birth in her own way, which are these intuitive movements, she will find the right place that she needs to be with her baby. So she is self-directed. She's not being told what to do. The environment of birth becomes her. And that is where she feels confidence and feels like she's managing the labor. And that is where those openings to healing happen because she's not in a constricted space She's not being told what to do. She's fully autonomous, connecting with her body and her baby. And that is where this opening happens and this awakening comes to her. And that is how birth flows with those kinds of movements.
0: Yeah. And actually, in reflection of my own birth, remember, I would be on all fours or on my knees Mm -hmm. and I would sway and I Mm -hmm. would moan. I mean, when yes. I cause I videotaped it and then I watched it after, cause you kind of don't remember when you're in it, but, and I was just like, people were saying I was so peaceful. Um, yes. but yeah, and I was just swaying and moaning and that, and I would, um, open my jaw so I would relax. Yes. Um, but yeah, and I do remember it was like instinctual. Yes. It wasn't like someone told me to do it, but it felt good to That's do it. Hard. Yeah right
1: exactly that's what this work is all about it's bringing women back to their own body baby heart womb and wisdom right without being told what to do because when you are in that freedom and autonomy then you have a sense of confidence and managing the labor for yourself right Right. so often women are told do this or don't push or hold back or get up or sit down or And it's not what she wants to do. So she's going against her body's guidance. And what this work does is it brings you back into alignment with the guidance of your own body, shining the light on your wisdom. And when you do that, your body will speak to you because when you create an expansion in your body, you can listen to what it's saying with your baby. And so you are self-referenced. You're not relying on the outside to do this for you. But if you are in an environment that's full of distraction, strange sounds, loud voices, bright lights, you're not going to release oxytocin, right. which is what's required for the cervix to open the body to relax and right. for the baby to get in order to be birthed. Right. So it's a whole, whole lot of things going on.
2: Mm. You know, Maha, like the way that um you were just kind of – just talking through the process and explaining it. I mean, I had a, a a smile on my face the entire time. I mean, you you made it sound so amazing and when you talk about it like that and women here like that, how can you not, you know, be excited about it and look at it so so differently? You know, sometimes it's just one uh, or two slight adjustments in, like you said, the the language that, that just opened up a whole new world. I like what you're saying about not calling it contractions, but more of an opening, you know, and just that shift, it just right. makes you look at it and think about it so, so differently, you know. It's and. True. Yeah, I, I think it. I think you it's. Yeah, you no, welcome it. Yeah, you welcome it. It's just. Yeah. It's. It's. It sounds uh, amazing. It, it and I. I couldn't. You know, imagine a woman listening to that and being afraid. Oh no, you know. Um, because we see it all the time. But I mean, just just listening to this show, I'm sure a, a lot of people's consciousness is just going to to shift and and open up. That's Thank you right. so much. And yeah.
1: Yeah, thank you, Jamal. And this is what I'm now teaching birth professionals, this work. So I've moved away from teaching pregnant women to teaching birth professionals, not just the belly dance birth principles and movements, but actually birth as a somatic practice. What does a woman require in order to give birth? So we're getting down to the nuts and bolts of birth not just the physical aspects, because we look at that as well, we look at the brain and the hormones, but looking at the kind of environment that we need to create in order for her body to open and awaken to this wisdom, Mm. because I don't think that that is really understood. And the reason I understand it is because I did have three births that showed me, that shone a light on this path for me. And when I realised that this is the possibility that should be available to all women we are not putting birth in the right framework to be understood for truly what it is and what its potential is and so that's why I keep doing this work because I keep thinking if more and more women could have this kind of experience although I can't make women have this experience I offer it I invite women to this work Mm -hmm. and then I release it to the world. Mm -hmm. But deep down I have a sense that if women could taste this kind of experience for birth, what kind of a planet could we create? And the children coming through who have this kind of experience of birth, because that's another whole area, Mm -hmm. is how a baby is birthed, how significant is our birth the imprint of love or fear on us as babies right. and that's a whole other story yeah. but just to have a woman in a in a nervous system that is in a relaxed state where she's releasing the correct cocktail of hormones and so she comes out of that feeling inspired as a mother feeling connected to her baby feeling that she has done a magnificent has had a magnificent experience how different the world would look and I truly believe that in my heart and that's why I keep going with what I'm doing. Through thick and thin I just keep going (laughs) because I really feel it deeply on a spiritual level that I have been given this gift and because I've been given this gift and this knowledge and this experience, I need to take it out and share it with the world in the way that I explain it and, and articulate it. Wow. For me, birth is like a poem. It's poetry in motion. Mm. It's it's a song and a dance. It is a creative, inspirational experience. It is not, it should not be a traumatic and fearful event for a woman. It should be a celebration mm. of her yeah. femininity. And that's what I'm trying to, and that's why I don't become a midwife. A lot of people have said to me, you should be a midwife. You should be working. And I said, I don't want to lose this, this essence of birth that I know to be true, that I embodied in my births. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose it by having fear put into me. I want to be able to say to women, here is a pathway that you have a possibility of choosing. Yeah, I'm not fighting a system. I'm not trying to compete with the system. I'm just opening up a new pathway, a new doorway, and saying to women, come and have a look at this. This might interest you. This way of giving birth might be something that you resonate with. Right. Have a look at it, yeah? Right. Without force, without dragging you down that path, I'm just gently saying this is what I experienced in birth. This is what could be possible for you if you are ready, if you are awakened and open willing. Come and have a look at what I have found birth to be. Right. If you're interested. And that's where the work emanates from, that place. Of invitation, it's an invitation to look at birth in a different way.
2: Now, I know you talk about um, the birthing process as a healing, a healing yes. on so many different levels. What what um, types of of healing experiences have you seen um, with women that embraced the healing and allow the healing to take place? What what have been some of your experiences?
1: Well, I'll tell you the experience that I had, Mm -hmm. that I embodied and owned during my birth at home with Amina when I was 46. I had a lot of constriction around the masculine and the power of the masculine over me. I had a lot of trauma and hurt and wounding from childhood, which I won't go into, but just that I had deep in my cellular memory a lot of unresolved wounds around the masculine and during my birth of my daughter, I was in active labour. And what can happen in labour is we can have spontaneous healing. Mm-hmm. So when we're in an environment where we feel safe, where the nervous system is relaxed, we go down, down, down into the better brainwaves. This is the brainwaves of the unconscious. And In the unconscious, a lot of these holdings sit So because I was in that kind of environment where I was relaxed and I could go deeper and deeper and deeper without any fear, my third birth, I was totally open and surrendered to whatever would come. I had no expectation. So I was in total, total allowance of the experience. So what happened through the birth was I got deeper and deeper. I went deeper into the unconscious. I was completely relaxed, moving, making sounds, breathing, And suddenly I felt through the depths of the caverns of the deepness of my womb through my baby coming up through my body, I opened up that portal to that wounding of the masculine that was sitting in me Mm -hmm. that I had never resolved. Mm. My labour stopped, completely stopped. I was in active labour. Everything just stopped. And this emotion and this memory and this energetic release as though all of my body, all the cells and the skin and the bone and the blood, everything just came pouring up through me and through the top of my head Mm. and I just started wailing and crying and releasing and crying and crying and I could not stop crying. And it was like I didn't stop myself, I just was in allowance and I just let go and I sobbed and I let go and it was that wounding of the masculine that was moving through me and out of me. And I don't I can't remember how long that went on for, but all I know is someone brought some little candles and placed them in front of me and, and I just was allowed to feel the emotion without being stopped, without being given a painkiller or being told get up and go move there. I was just left to be. Wow. And once that had moved through me, bang, my labour came on really hard and she was born within an hour mm. after that
0: wow and it was
1: the most and it was in that moment that the lights went on and i went birth is an opportunity for healing mm. and imagine if every woman not necessarily having what i had in that right. same context cuz that's what i needed right. but big small whatever you can't you don't quantify it it's the quality of the experience if women had that opportunity to uh, to uh, let go, to surrender and create that clear channel for the baby to come through. Right. And this is what I experienced and embodied and I want to be able to share that, that that to me is a necessity. It is a part of giving birth. Mm. That is a true, you know, <laughs> deep part of birth that we don't hear about because yeah. very few women get it.
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: They, never, they don't get that experience. Mm-hmm. And that's what I talk about a lot in my work.
2: Yeah, thank you for putting that out there. Um, this is definitely needed. And and as far as the, the birthing process, you know, that when you have your child, the one of the first things, that external bond um, between the mother and child is – you know the breastfeeding, the, the child feeding for the first time, and I know that you're a, a breastfeeding advocate, and we definitely are too. Uh, what I, we know how it is in in uh, the U.S. It's, it's pretty bad out here, the perception of yeah. of uh, breastfeeding. Um, how is it um, in Australia, and you know what? What's your take on it? Well, in Australia,
1: it's, again, things have changed a lot. You, I look back to when my boys, who were almost sixteen and nineteen, were babies, and then looking at my daughter, who's just turned seven, it was wow. a huge difference in birthing in the nineties as opposed to you know two thousand and eight. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing this escalation of seven that's occurring, and it's it's a madness that's going on mm-hmm. all over the world. And in regards to breastfeeding, I cannot get my head around why. We have such a negative stigma around public breastfeeding. Oh my goodness, beyond (laughs) beyond six months of age. What is all of that about? And when when a woman has birth, that is, in the way that I've described on this show, the connection is just is a natural instinctive connection to breastfeed. Not every woman can breastfeed Mm -hmm. and It's not about, it's about allowing the mother and baby to do what works for them, but to be supported and be given informed choice, truthful choice and knowledge. And getting that baby on the breast straight after the birth is when the best time is to make that connection with the breastfeeding. So to have women to be fully supported in that time is so, so important and it's difficult when a woman has a C-section often because she's coming out of anaesthetic to actually get that baby on the breast. And I've been at you know, a hospital birth where the midwives were very rough about putting the baby to the mother's breast and she couldn't hold the baby. And, and I feel that we need to really look at the level of support we give women at that time. And, and many women are given a lot of support too. We've got amazing organisations, and we have the Australian Breastfeeding Association here that supports women. I think what's happening though is women are breastfeeding for the the time they breastfeed is less and less. Yeah,
2: right.
1: You know, to be still breastfeeding at six months or a year is unusual. Mm-hmm. Let alone me, who breastfed my daughter to seven.
2: Wow. And
1: what I was, what I decided with her, because I had a conscious conception, conscious pregnancy, conscious birth, I decided that she, if she chose that, would have to be, or would be breastfed to natural term, mm-hmm. meaning led, meaning she would leave the wean. When she was ready, she would stop breastfeeding, which has only just happened after she's turned seven. So it breaks my heart that this pressure on women, you know, they say do what's in the best interest of your child. Do what's best for your baby. So if you choose to breastfeed, that seems to be left out of the equation if right. it's after one, two years of age. Right. And that could still be the best thing for that child. You know, this idea that to create an independent child, you have to push them away is also incorrect. Right. To create a secure child is a child who has their needs met, regardless of what you choose and how you choose to have their needs met. And breastfeeding is one way that you can choose For them to have their needs met it may not work for everyone and i don't stigmatize women who bottle feed yes you need to bottle feed sometimes too Mm -hmm. it's not about judgment or right or wrong or musts or shoulds or woulds or coulds it's just do what's best for you and your baby but allow mothers the choice right without pressurizing them and making them you know do something that they don't feel instinctually is what they what they need to do with their baby Right. It's a huge issue. The breastfeeding is a huge, huge issue. I've made three documentaries this year, Discovery Channel, um, German TV and an Australian Inside Story, all about the breastfeeding. And, you know, my daughter was six when, that, when we made those documentaries. And, you know, the, the attack and the shame and the vilification for breastfeeding a child, you know, to natural terms, this kind of age group. I say, why don't people turn the finger back onto themselves and self inquire and ask why do I feel uncomfortable? I don't feel uncomfortable as the mother. Right. right. Why do you right. feel uncomfortable? Look inside yourself and ask yourself why are you uncomfortable? I'm yeah. that zone. I'm in the breastfeeding zone. I feel fine. So does my daughter. Right. You know. Yeah. It it's was crazy. It was definitely
0: I've, just from my own experience um, after having my daughter. I, I was very uncomfortable breastfeeding in public. I wouldn't go anywhere with her. And then Jamal and my sister-in-law was like, just go. We need to go out to eat. (laughs) Like you can't stay home. You can't stay home all the time. Like eventually you have to do this. And I got the courage to do it. But yeah, I mean, it's like this stigmatism or I don't know if it's an over-sexualization. I don't know what it is, but, um, you know, I breastfed her until she was four and at the end, you know, I wasn't really telling people, but yeah, when people would find out, they're like, "Really?" Yeah,
2: they they you gave know. they gave us a hard time, you
0: know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, so if you have that pressure from society, a lot of women will not opt to do it because they feel they're not comfortable doing it or even trying. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's right,
1: that's right. And, that, and that's why I've been out there in the world advocating and saying. You know, breastfeeding a child till six or seven is actually normal. The natural age of weaning is two to seven. Right. And what happens, there's many things that go on. But for example, people say that they've got teeth. Well, they're called milk teeth because they're the teeth you have whilst you're lactating. Some babies are born with teeth. Does that mean you don't breastfeed them? Right. And what happens then is around the age of seven, which my daughter is now, there's an awareness that comes into the body as well as the teeth fall out. So the jaw changes when the adult teeth come in and the sucking changes. Mm. So therefore, that's the natural age often that they wean if you Mm. just allow them that process. So, you know, in the brain development, the immune system isn't developed till five or six, 95% developed and the brain is developing up to that age as well. And they've shown that children who've been breastfed for three years or longer have white matter that's in the brain that is connected to the cognitive aspect of their growth and motor skills more refined mm. from being breastfed for longer. There's so many amazing things about breastfeeding. It's nectar. It is a golden nectar. It's a medicine. Yeah. It's for comfort as well as for for feeding. Right. And, you know, when I was 50 and my daughter was four and a half, I had my milk tested at the University of Western Australia here in Australia mm-hmm. because everybody said by the time the baby gets for six months or a year, the breast milk has no nutritional right. value.
2: Yeah, they always say that, yeah.
1: Yeah, so we need scientific evidence. We know intuitively that, of course, the breast milk is organic. It's ever-changing. It is produced by the nipple. With The saliva on the nipple actually creates to the, a message to the mother's brain to create the antibodies that yes. the baby needs. Mm-hmm. So the milk, that feed changes for what the baby requires. So I went and had my milk tested. They'd never had a 50-year-old milk to test. (laughs) And guess what? (laughs) She was four and a half, and guess what? It had everything in it. Mm. All Uh the stem cells, all the MRIs, everything, Mm. MRIs, everything in there. Nice. that That a baby, you know, half her age or smaller would have in their mother's breast milk. So this idea that breast milk somehow goes off, Right. At a certain age is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. These are just opinions. They're not facts. And the list goes on. It's an endless.
2: Story with the breastfeeding. Yeah, I, I I really commend you. That is, that is amazing. Um, getting your breast milk tested. I mean, I'm so happy that you did that because you know <laughs> it, it's the the you know sometimes the proof is in, in the pudding. Unfortunately, I mean it, it just makes sense. Why wouldn't there be nutrients in in the breast milk? I mean, it, it actually sounds silly when you think about it, but you know, women think that it's just kind of like a pointless gesture after some point, and you know they just need to wean them off, and it's just kind of you know the the baby being spoiled or or you know an inconvenience, and they're quick to to wean them off because they're they're taught that it doesn't matter anymore but at you know at four and a half, like you said, it had everything in it, and it was still getting you know nutrients and all of the things that yeah. the baby needs so I think that that's so amazing that you right. were able to get that that um that testing and could quantify the the truth and expose the that's truth right. which which exactly. is great, yeah.
1: And, and as they get older, we know as well, it's a for comfort as well. Right. You know, nutritional and for comfort. Yeah. And I think people don't realize when they think that you're breastfeeding a four, five, six-year-old, they envisage it's like feeding a baby every two hours. <laughs> right. And that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. It might be once a day or twice a And right. people are always asking, well, how many times a day are you feeding? And what <laughs> I try to say is that when you're a mother and you're in that zone, you're not counting and calculating and ticking off boxes. You're just doing It's <laughs> naturally coming. It's right. a natural thing that you're doing. We don't rationalize it and justify it. And that's why I say, why do I need to defend something that's naturally flowing through me? Right. I'm just responding to my daughter. Half the time I didn't. I could be talking to a friend and she just comes up and has a feed and I don't even notice it.
2: Right.
1: It's, it's that almost... It's just part of life, right. and that's what we've lost, mm. the feminine language that is a part of life. Suddenly we're questioning her, something that's been done for thousands of years. Why are we questioning now? What's going on? What is going on on a deeper level, which I won't go into now, yeah. but there's more going on at the surface than we realise. This disconnection, this severance, this ownership of your baby and child mm. away from the family, it's a big issue. Right. So, wow. We keep we keep bringing awareness and shining a light on this, and just telling women follow your instincts, do what works for you. And you know it is challenging because you will have people criticising you, yes, and, and making fun and all of that. And to stay strong in your integrity requires a lot of strength, right? You know, and and staying grounded and centered and believing in yourself. Believing truly, and that's where women are, you know, slowly getting it's getting eroded slowly, slowly, that belief in self. And I'm trying to bring that back into the awareness. Yeah. And making it something that's not actually that significant either. Mm-hmm. Just something that's actually quite normal and natural. Mm-hmm. It's not some huge thing that that we're doing. It's it's part of our expression as the feminine as equally as the masculine expression. And when we walk together, hand in hand, in our wholeness together, this is how we create peace and love on this planet. Again, I say it. Mm -hmm. It's when we can respect and revere each other's experiences without judgment, without vilification, without shaming, without attacking. I've never attacked or shamed anyone. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, let us be in the fullness of our experiences without analysing it to death and, and, you know, picking it to pieces and judging everybody. This bullying. I mean, people would say to me, but your daughter will be bullied as they're bullying me. Right. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: It's like, well, nobody's bullying her, but you're bullying me.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. We don't
1: have bullying around us. Mm. So it's this projection that keeps happening. Yeah. Um, that we have to put up a wall against you know and say no stop leave us alone so it's it's an interesting one it really is
2: yeah we really appreciate um you taking the time to come on the show i mean one of the things that we do in our missions is to really inspire people and and just Allow them to be in the energy and know that they're not alone and to enlighten and educate them in, in various topics as far as holistic health is concerned. So um, this is valuable. We really appreciate it. Yes. And um, if if just, um, you know, bringing things to a close, where can can people find you? Where can they buy your book? Where can they um, study from you and learn from you? Is there a place that they can go to uh, to get more information?
1: Sure. I've got a website, which is my name, www.mahalmusa.com. And I'm now doing more and more trainings all over the world, being asked to come and teach my belly dance birth, somatic prenatal birth education program. And I've also got a Facebook page, Maha Al Musa Spiritual Birth Visionary that you can actually like and join me there. And so workshops and trainings and information come through my Facebook page as well. So yeah, I'm just more and more, and more. now that my daughter got seven, I'm going to be traveling a little bit more. I've just come back from Japan. I go every year. I've taught over 250 midwives in Japan. Wow. I've just been asked, yeah, I've just been asked to come to China today, actually. I got an email to come to teach in a hospital in China. So, you know, I've been asked to go all over the world, so it's just logistics and being able to to get this work out there more and more, as well as speaking at birthing conferences, mm-hmm. at seminars, I'm open to that. I was in America this year. I'm hoping to come to San Diego and Florida next year. I'm just talking with a few people at the moment to try and get my trainings back in the US. So, um, you know, places like Brazil that really need this kind of work, really all over the world. And you know, people have said to me to do an online course, but I feel like I need to be there in the flesh. This is heart work. You need yeah. to feel this, because women need to come back to feeling. We've lost that connection of feeling, and that's what I'm trying to keep that alive to feel again.
2: Right. That is. That's great. And, uh, we'll we'll def we'll definitely be in touch because um, we me and Kim will talk we we really need to get you here in New Jersey mm-hmm. to do a, a yes. workshop or a lecture or something like that at, at our facility. Um, so, so so yeah we we definitely need to talk and, and work that out and um if if there was just imparting like if there was some wisdom that you can leave. Um, our our mothers to be as well as our our you know our, our current mothers and, and people that are um, just listening in what what would that be?
1: I think the bottom line is to all the beautiful women out there that you are valuable, that you are important, that you are worthy, and you are stronger than you think you are and be in every emotion, every feeling, and to know that being exactly where you are now is the perfect place you need to be. Mm. And I send you so much love and peace. And let's together elevate the consciousness of love on this planet for all humankind so we really, really can begin to understand deeply in our hearts that we are
0: all one love one heart
2: beautiful thank you beautiful
0: yeah thank you so um before we um wrap everything up i just want to let everyone know Um, All the information uh, that we discussed in today's episode, all of Maha's contact information, her website, her Facebook page is going to be on our show notes page. So just go to jkhealthtribe.com, type Maha, M-A-H-A in the search box and you will uh, gain access to that page on our website. So uh, Maha, thank you so much for taking time Uh, this this episode was just so empowering. I think it's going to help so many women, so many families. Um, so just con- continue to do your work. It's very powerful, very powerful.
1: You
2: yeah, know? thank you so much. Thank
1: you so much. Kimberly, thank you, Jamal. Beautiful to be with you both. Oh, thank you. Lots Same of love. Man. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Yeah, peace and blessings.
0: So that is the conclusion of our interview with Maha El Musa. We hope that you'd enjoyed it and most importantly, receive value from it. And uh, before you go, just shoot over to JKHealthTribe.com and sign up for our email mailing list. Um, You'll get weekly newsletters. You'll be notified of podcast episodes that we'll be doing in the future, any blog posts. And uh, you'll be the first to know of anything Jamal and I will do in the future. Okay, so until next time, live healthier.
2: We hope you enjoyed your time with Jamal and Kim's Inner Circle Health Tribe. To keep you on your path towards a happy, healthier lifestyle, we encourage you to visit jkhealthtribe.com for a free copy of the 8 Effective Ways to Lose Weight and Keep It Off, as well as more content to help you find your health balance. Thanks again, and we look forward to educating, empowering, and inspiring you to live healthier.